today on CityCast Denver. 13 years ago, an acquaintance put up a post on MySpace asking if anyone in Denver wanted to get together and talk about feminism. What started as living room conversations between a few people grew into a beautiful collective of friends and artists who got together to share skills, play music, and put on a different kind of festival. One with a name you couldn't say on the radio. You still can't? You still can't say the word tit on the radio. But it's a whole conversation about we could either spell it out on the radio, T-I-T wrench, or they can bleep it. Bleep wrench. And they're airing this week, so you can hear them come to boop wrench this Sunday at City Park. And then it gives the rest of it, and then it says, go to TITWrenchCollective.org for more information. (laughs) TITWrench returns this weekend for the very last time. So I called up my old friend Sarah Slater, who still organizes the festival, to reminisce. Today is Thursday, September 30th, 2021. I'm Brie Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Sarah Slater, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to see you, my friend. It's so good to see you, too. So... For someone who's never been to a tit wrench before, one of the festivals, what is tit wrench? Mm, I describe tit wrench as a creative platform, as well as um, a festival, meaning that we use it as a creative platform to do workshops. We've had dance parties under that name. Um, we've done panel discussions, and it's a way to kind of bring different. People from different backgrounds and mediums and genres all together, either in some kind of form or another. The festival features experimental artists of all stripes. Like they could be working in experimental R&B or they could be working in a genre that just nobody can even define. And the majority of it is performed by people from different underrepresented backgrounds mostly women and queer folks and people just with different perspectives that are not normally centered in the mainstream. So I I want to dig in a little bit of to the origin story of TitWrench. Um, I got involved with it. I feel like you put out a call of some kind in like 2008. It's just like, hey, anybody want to... On MySpace. Hey, on MySpace. <laughs> Do you do you remember exactly how what the sort of impetus for TitWrench was? You know, um, I think it. I've tried to pinpoint it, and I think it was just like a combination of different conversations had over the years. You know, and I think partly exasperation of just like being um, a part of a music scene and maybe not feeling back in two thousand eight like feeling very represented. I think at the beginning, a lot of it was more about representation, whereas through the years we've evolved into like having our own identity and um, and being really concerned about creating safer spaces for expression. And I know that Piper has said that they remember um, that I came over to your house, <laughs> I think when you were all living together, the way they describe it is like I had a vision and I and then we all talked about how to support the vision. 
And I don't totally remember it that way, but I do remember coming over to your house and, and like saying, I think because I had been putting on shows for so long, it was kind of like, well, I have these skills and I want to do something different than what I'm seeing out there. And then the different conversations around like feminism and music and queerness like kind of all converged. That collective ended up putting on an enormously ambitious festival in 2009. I mean, multiple venues, multiple days. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, I don't want to say we like over, (laughs) we overshot Uh ourselves, but like four days uh, at Rhinoceropolis, Uh Glob, what was then Blastomat, which is now uh, still around and vibrant as ever as Seventh Mm -hmm. Circle Music Collective. And something that I think struck me about what we did and what we what Titwrench continues to do is be a, a holistic festival in a certain sense. We don't just say, buy a ticket, come see a band. It's like, it's a whole ex- experience. I don't know. Can you describe a little bit of what makes Titwrench unique than other festivals? Um, yeah, I think um, it is an experience, but I do think it's like... Um now that that word has been co-opted a bit, you know, I know. it's like, it's an immersive experience. No, um, I do think that <laughs> it's very participatory, though, which is like, it's mostly through volunteering. But I do think uh, something I've said in the past is that like, the sort of the line between the audience and the, and the stage is, is different than it is at some other music festivals you might go to where I think there's just like a real participatory feel when you attend is what I've been told by a lot of people where they feel like really included and they feel like maybe next time you know that could be me on stage because they're seeing emerging artists alongside like more people more advanced in their career and so there's just like a wide spectrum of people represented and and music represented on stage. Back to the the for, the sort of festival landscape, or at least even the music kind of the music scene we were looking at at two thousand eight in when Tit Ranch was was being born in Denver. I remember. So we focused on originally we were like women centered. Mm-hmm. We obviously expanded that to include um, all types of folks, mm-hmm. people that are just not represented at other music festivals, and we got some pushback from dudes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was a a joke about dick wrench being mm-hmm. being something, and I thought every other festival is dick wrench. <laughs> yes, you you but said you... it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe could you just talk about maybe the you know you grew up in the music scene here. What did you feel like was missing or something? What was what was two thousand eight Denver like for? musicians that you cared about or like what you wanted to see versus what was actually happening back then I don't think people I think people were more afraid to book bands together that didn't sound alike which I think has changed over the year and I think not just our festival but I think you know how festivals on a larger scale have exploded I think that might influence how like smaller venues book their shows realizing that someone might not want to go to see like four indie rock bands in a row in one night. Um, It's just more interesting to have, you know, a weirder lineup. 
Um, I feel like it was more, maybe more homogenous back then, you know, the way people were booking. And I just growing up going, I guess, starting in my late teens and like going to shows in Boulder and Denver and occasionally other random places. Like I just always, I just saw that there was a dearth of, of women and queer folks. And um, I think that has been changing. But I still, yeah. you know, see headliners of a lot of major fests. They're almost all white cis men. And yeah, don't know why that <laughs> continues. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if we look back at the minimal coverage our festival did get in Denver Press, it was always like mm-hmm. ladies doing a lady thing with their lady music and their lady festival. And you're like, uh... <laughs> Do you care about who the bands are? Do you care about like how we are totally volunteer run? And we mainly depended on like donations from the community back then. That was way before we ever started getting grants. So speaking of, it's happening at City Park this year outside in October, which is amazing. October 3rd. Yes. What can attendees expect at TitWrench this year? So we have a really fun lineup. I'm really excited about Nacha Mendez, who's going to be here from Santa Fe. And she does what she calls Latin world music. So she blends like many genres that come from Latin America and in in Spain and in all different Spanish speaking countries. And she does both originals and um, covers. Sentimiento que me agodia y que me mata. And um, also really excited about Milk Blossoms because they're kind of in a new like incarnation and they're an experimental pop group that's been around in Denver for a long time and played the fest. So we're really excited to have them back. Return the book, the bits of glass in the spine. Wanted the next person to know I made it out alive. And I guess my last question is why why is this the last year for Tit Wrench? Well <laughs> oh, it's a hard question. Um Yeah. It's bittersweet, but um yeah, once again, there it's just been something that's a decision that grew out of many different conversations um, between myself and the current organizers. And as you know, being involved in the past, it's rather consuming <laughs> to be part yes. of the planning team. I think that anyone who's ever been part of the collective, anyone can be part of the collective is how I see it and how most of us see it. But being on the planning team for the festival is kind of really intense. I have big circles under my eyes right now. Um, It's a lot of work. (laughs) Even after this many years, it's still, it can be really tiring. And so we just decided um, this would be a good time to kind of let it go. And hopefully we'll see what happens. It might transform into something else, the collective. So the collective won't be gone forever. It's just the festival is the last for the foreseeable future. So 
yeah, it's just really um, challenging. But I think we're, we all feel really good about what we've done over the last 13 years and how much we've accomplished. And especially I always speak to like the relationships that we've created, you know, like I think I met you probably through TitWrench and... So, so much has already grown out of TitWrench, I think. So I'm, I'm really proud of all the work we've done. Yeah, I definitely, I remember seeing you at shows for years and like, I never talked to you, but then we started doing this thing together and we became great friends. So it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. It really is. Sarah Slater, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm really honored. The 13th and final TitWrench Festival is going down this Sunday in City Park, kicking off with a divine booty shaking workshop at 4 p.m. with Ashe Charmaine. There's also a workshop tonight from Marlo Delara, formerly known as Marlo Eggplant, about the challenges and possibilities of intersectional feminist organizing in the arts. I'm going to put links to all that and all the artists you heard in this episode in our show notes. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. It's official. Trey Parker and Matt Stone have purchased Casa Bonita. According to Westward, for just over $3 million, the South Park Bros are now owners of Colorado's most famous restaurant with an indoor waterfall. Though currently not open for regular business, Casa Bonita is still doing tours. So maybe stop by and get a good look at the place before any potential changes might be made. And in vaccine news, a U.S. district court has dismissed a lawsuit from seven Denver police officers that alleged that Mayor Hancock's vaccine mandate for city employees is unlawful. According to Denverite, Assistant City Attorney Joshua Roberts filed a motion asking the court for the dismissal because the officers did not exhaust all administrative options before turning to a lawsuit. Today is the deadline for city employees to get vaccinated or potentially face termination. The mayor's office has not said if that will be the case for these officers. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Later! Otter changed tit wrench to tech crunch. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>